Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Urbanus podcast. My name is Donatos Urbanus, and I'm joined by my colleague, Ritis Vishnauskas. What's up, Ritis? It seems like you kept your promise. Yep. Bologna, Kinder. And uh, Super Cup uh, champions. What right? a coincidence. They won the Super Cup uh, in Italy against the EuroLeague team uh, Milano, against the EuroLeague powerhouse, you could say. So it's a great pleasure to wear this jersey. Of course, it's Manu Ginobili, as promised. And another thing, I want to say thank you for the, all the feedback in the comment section. Especially about uh, the haircuts. Yes, because, you know, in the previous years, I was doing Lithuanian podcasts about basketball as well. And usually when I would see that at least a, a few comments are there, people saying... Rita should get a haircut because, you know, my hair grows kind of wild and messy. Then I know that it's time. I have to do it. So now I saw a comment from, from someone politely saying that I think or I believe that Ritis needs a haircut. So I responded, agree, next week, for sure. So that's what I did. I kept my promise. I kept my word with the jersey and, and with the new haircut. So Yeah, you look really good. And we have some retro vibes. Yeah, uh, over there in our uh, renewed studio, we have some great pictures uh, behind my back. And uh, which picture, you know, mm, makes you know all these memories, come, which comes to your mind? Well, for me, it would be definitely Dirk Nowitzki here going against Dario Songaila. It, uh, of course, uh, it's kind of symbolic because. Exactly 10 years ago, the Eurobasket was held in Lithuania in 2011. Oh, yeah. So this was the game in Vilnius uh, where where Lithuania faced Germany. We won this game. I, and I, Dirk I, was tired, I remember, in this tournament because uh, he joined the national team after the exhausting NBA Finals against the Miami Heat, winning his first and only championship. And I really thought that... Probably he's going to take a summer off and he's not going to play, but he played in this in this Eurobasket. Uh, Lithuanians stopped him a little bit as, as they usually do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because this photo uh, reminds me the Eurobasket 2003. And I remember that Antana Sereika puts all the effort to stop Dirk Nowitzki. And that situation kind of reminded me uh, the game against Slovenia yeah. when we knew that it's going to be one-man show. And Lithuania was doing everything to stop Dirk. I remember Mindaugas Zhukauskas was doing crazy. This uh, is like an urban defense. legend. Mindaugas Zhukauskas, probably not all over Europe, but in Lithuania, has this o only mystical game reputation yeah. of being the Dirk stopper. It's like if you need to stop Dirk, you you, you better call this guy Mindaugas Zhukauskas. He takes care of business. He's like Tadas <laughs> Dekerskis and Luka Doncic, <laughs> but it never year, happened. But just, just never happened. But yeah. it's like the myth also. Yeah, so it was a, 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 I mean, a great uh, experience for most of us because it was the biggest sporting event in Lithuania, and we really felt this uh, basketball atmosphere everywhere in the streets. Uh, I remember a lot of Slovenians and people from North Mac Macedonia, obviously, coming to Vilnius to support their national teams and. And uh, oh, I remember all these bars at night in Konas, some players yeah, and coaches yeah. hanging <laughs> hanging in. I remember where Czech Czech Republic players uh, were not allowed into a nightclub in, in Vilnius. And another thing, um, there is this um, poker club in in Vilnius. It's sports okay. poker, of course. You don't ah. gamble for money. It's sports poker, and they were they they were holding t various tournaments, and I was kind of playing sometimes. And this one night I didn't come to a tournament, although my friends invited me. 
and they are sending me pictures from the poker club with they're playing cards with Marc Gasol and and uh, I think Ricky Rubio was there and some other Spanish players. They just randomly came in and and said, "What are you doing, guys? Here, I oh, will play poker. Can we join? <laughs> yeah." So. This guy, my friend, sitting here next to Marcus, all playing cards with him, and I was like, "My God, I'm I'm here at home. Why?" <laughs> the only thing which I remember about Marcus all in that Eurobasket was yeah. that he was like making fun of hotel walls in, in Panevėžys because Panevėžys is my hometown. So you know, it was painful for me to hear you know that they were making jokes, probably. But it was a decoration. Yes, it was historical decoration. It seemed like there's a hole in the wall, <laughs> but it was a decoration. And that's just art, you know. It was a great Eurobasket, you know, because it was the one before the Olympics. So all the star players were there. The French national team was stacked. The Spanish team with both Gasol brothers, with Sergi Baca, everyone was there. They once again won the final in Konas. Dirk, all these other great players, they were there, so it was a really memorable tournament. Unfortunately for us, it ended not, it, not so good. Uh, the worst part, there were two strange moments. Uh, okay, it was not that strange, but the worst part was that teams like you know France, Germany, Serbia probably, they played in small cities, and sometimes there were like something under thousand people, you know, in the stands watching Tony Parker, for example, Dirk Nowitzki, and all the all the stars. The next thing, which was funny, I remember there there was something like a camping in Lithuania. It, it was kind of you know an idea, you know, to put a tent near the <laughs> arena, you know, to follow <laughs> the Eurobasket. I don't know who thought that it's a good idea, yeah, but it it was pretty awkward and you know uh many people would say that it's a painful tournament because of what happened uh, when we faced uh, the great vlado ilievsky that guy had <laughs> weird pass so. but for me what i remember and what what was really positive uh, it was like a first glimpse at Jonas Valanciunas what he can do in men's basketball because at that time he won all these medals in, in youth basketball and in this tournament uh, Marianas Petrovic unfortunately faced a health issue and and Jonas Valanciunas had to step up he was brought into the roster as a third center because there was Yevtokas there was Petrovic's and all of a sudden Valanciunas has a role in this team and he starts playing pick and rolls with Karnietis and, and yes, Charas yeah. and he is amazing uh, the game against Serbia, it was a high-scoring game in Vilnius, and the uh, Lithuanians were just dominating with these pick-and-rolls, and it was great fun to he, watch. He came, he joined the national team straight after the U19 World Cup yeah. in Riga. Uh, they they were champions over there, and if I'm correct, uh, I think that like Valenciunas played his first unofficial game, uh, friendly game, and he scored something like 20 points. So yeah, he was an incredible. But at, at that, that time, it was not certain that he would make the roster. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. he he needed to fight for this. He was 19, spot. 18, something like that. Yeah, nineteen. He was soon to be an NBA player. He was a prospect already. Uh, maybe this was the draft summer. No, no, the next one was draft summer. Or uh, let me think. Probably it was well, the either, lockout either way, it was a great mm -hmm. tournament. Uh, after that, he had some great moments uh, in, in Vilnius, Lietuvos Ritas, and then he went to Toronto, and the rest is history. So it was the first major tournament uh, for the national team for, for Jonas. Yeah, and talking about all these pictures, probably a lot of people will be surprised why we have Drew Nicholas, Drew Nicholas. in our studio. <laughs> it seems so random, right? <laughs> but 
Drew Nicholas is not a random guy, guy at all. He was crazy scorer. And I remember well how he was like, you know, scoring in FS. But uh, the first memory which comes to my mind uh, was Panathinaikos years when he yeah. joined Spanulis, Diamantidis and Sharas. I mean, that's a hell of a backcourt. And he's a great friend of Sharas as, as far as yeah, I know. Yeah, and he's yeah. a great guy. And he, he works for Philly as a scout right now, mm -hmm. if I'm right. So he could, great dude. He could have a spot in our underrated fives. I was considering him, actually. Such a good, pure scorer, shooting guard, and so talented. And uh, I mean, in the second part of his career, when he joined Panathinaikos, he was already experienced and more mature. Because when I remember him playing for FS, uh, he played in Milano as well, uh, if, I'm, if I mm -hmm, remember correctly. Maybe. It was kind of chaotic a little bit. Uh, and in Panathinaikos, he was already super solid and joined this uh, group of guys and they won the title. So it's a great picture, which kind of, I don't know, emphasizes the meaning of the EuroLeague trophy. And you see an American player, not a European, it's an American player kissing the trophy and you can see how passionate he is about that. So I, I would say it's a great photo. And of course, Linus Kleza is here. <laughs> the, alpha, the alpha male. <laughs> We were like joking how we should call sexus in English. Sexy guy, sexy alpha. <laughs> <laughs> sounds bad. Alpha male, I, I, I would say it sounds right and it describes Linus Glazer's personality for sure. Um, we know he had to retire early because of all these injuries. He actually never retired. He never said that <laughs> he retired, so maybe he'll sign for Jalgiris this season. <laughs> but to be- to Like Carlos Delfino. But uh, honestly, of course, he retired. He actually went to podcasting this, this year. Yeah, yeah, and he's doing great, actually. Well, he is, I would say, more of an American sportscaster or podcaster. He says what he thinks and he adds on top of that uh -huh. uh, something that could be like, I don't know, more provocative, uh, more controversial. But you know, when it comes from a guy like Linus Kleza, if it comes from me or you, let's be honest, mm. people would say, what are they talking about? But when it comes from Linus Kleza, well, he can back this up by 41 points in Denver Nuggets jersey or what he did for the Lithuanian national team. And, yeah, he was and the top scorer of the EuroLeague that season. This season with Olympiacos. Olympiacos, they were really close. Yeah, they they went to the final and mm -hmm. they lost against an amazing Barcelona team coach by Xavi Pascual. Yeah, and Linus was the top scorer. And I remember he had a nickname in Greece, Pistolinas, I think, something like that, based on his you know shooting skills <laughs> and probably something and else. They, he was doing these... Oh yeah, pistol yeah. sign. So it makes sense. So we'll see <laughs> who uh, who's gonna you know be kissing the Euroleague trophy like Drew Nicholas uh, did. And today we're gonna make a podcast about Euroleague regular season predictions. Let's yeah. say we're gonna um, put all these teams from the 18th to the first seed, uh, and we will try to predict you know who 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 gonna succeed this year and and who not. So probably let's start from the 18th. From the bottom, so, yeah. of course. I think that we can find something in common with this one. Maybe, I don't know. For me, the last place is uh, as well. Okay, that's the first difference, but. Okay. And I don't mean it in a bad way. I just think that it's a long-term project and I do see some raw talent on this team. 
some veterans as well. They are still there, guys like Kahudi or, or Dio. But I believe this team will have some growing pains uh, this season. Uh, yes, they have some experience. Yes, they added some quality with players like uh, Chris Jones or Rainer Morgan. These are good Americans who know how to play in European basketball. But I think that in, in this club, uh, the coach has to trust the young players in advance. He, I mean, for example, Vembanyama. They will need to give him some minutes. We remember what happened with Theo Maledon and Tony Parker was not happy that Vesdan Mitrovic was was underplaying Maledon and and uh, it was not a good situation. And in the end, they had a conflict with with uh, Vesdan Mitrovic. So now I think these young guys will be playing a lot of minutes and there will be some growing pains. They will have to be learning a lot. I think EuroLeague will be super competitive this season, first of all. So the last seed will definitely have a decent number of wins and they will take something from the bigger clubs but i just i just think it's my prediction i'm guessing that as well could finish in the last place yeah i see i see your point and actually vembanyama okay i have stats from two games uh, as of right now but vembanyama vembanyama was playing like 18 minutes uh, per game he even started the game in paris tournament against uh, milan he averaged uh, 4.5 points and 4.5 rebounds as well as four blocks Wow, four blocks. That's crazy. Well, with his size, it's not that surprising, but when you're playing like, you know, in Paris, there were good yeah. teams. Uh, and talking about Vembanyama, he's definitely the most interesting uh, thing if uh, when it takes, you know, Asphalt team. And uh, I, I was uh, talking with some, um, some of my colleagues in, in France, and they told that they don't remember any player like, like Vembanyama who had such such hype around him, such an attention from the foreign media too. There are many requests for the interviews, for the documentaries, for all that stuff. And it's gonna be, you know, part of Asphalt's job right now to protect him from all that attention. And he has Vembanyama, I mean, he has his team around, which will help him not only to protect him from the outside noise, but also, you know, to work, him, uh, to work with him individually. Uh, he's actually a really good kid a really nice guy he you know he's not like just mm, when he you know became that tall he grew up you know significantly and it was like oh you have to play basketball no he always felt that passion and it seems like he's a really smart guy uh, he's not draft eligible uh, for the next uh, year but in two years he's projected as some say he might be you know the first uh, lottery pick so that's definitely the best thing about Aswell. but I, I agree with you they will have to play him so some other young guys Costas Antetokounmpo will be interesting to see him what can he bring to the team he's I'm not sure if he will play a lot well he's an athlete but is he skilled enough to have an impact on the EuroLeague it's, team, yeah, it's, it's, it's the EuroLeague. It's questionable. It's different. So, so when I look at this roster, uh, I think it lacks leadership. It lacks quality. Uh, I'm not sure if let's say. Although TJ Parker is a nice coach. Oh yeah, for sure. I heard the uh, good feedback sure. about him. He deserved that chance. Although you know, many people can say that oh, it's just because of his brother. Of course, uh, that uh, that helped him to get this job. But uh, what he did before, like he was following his brother, he was. Uh, he went to San Antonio, you know, to, to learn from Greg Popovich, uh, all the coaching staff. He was learning a lot. He was preparing himself for this challenge and he was doing decent job uh, oh, the last season. They were unlucky, you could say. I mean, they faced COVID and 
there were all these issues with the French championship, mm -hmm. uh, the quarantine and stuff. Yeah, no so games. they had had a lot of problems and they they looked okay. But I, I just I'm just thinking that this Euroleague is going to be very competitive. And do I see a team with Chris Jones and David Lighty going very far? I don't think so. I, I mean, it will be an important season for the development of these young players, but I don't think they will be winning many games. Uh, so who is your 18th? I seed? have Alba. I, okay. I see Alba as the only team which might be weaker uh, than Asphal. Uh, so as well as 17th. Yeah, I have as well. So for me, it's vice versa. Okay, I, I put Berlin in the 17th uh, place. My, my point is that you know they have a different coach. Uh, Aito Garcia Renesas stepped down. Although you know Israel Gonzalez is his, his longtime assistant coach. He was, he was his right hand. Yeah, and he will you know always playing the same game like they played yeah. uh, with Aito, but still it's, it's you know, it, it makes difference. Also, they had, you know, many important players uh, leaving. Uh, and I don't know, I just, I think that they have a weaker roster compared uh, to the previous season. And it's, it's gonna be fun to watch them. Uh, they're, gonna sh they're gonna have a good chemistry. We will see some new talents coming out from Alba. I hope that Jalen Smith will be successful. It's a great chance for him. Maybe Tamir Blatt will surprise us. It would be a huge surprise for me personally. I'm not sure if he's ready. He's talented, but he seems like he's uh, kind of vulnerable, I would say. Yeah, and Yuri, you know, might show, might show all these vulnerable parts of his game. Well, I do agree with you that they look weaker than the last season because when you see that they had uh, Jason Granger and Simone Fontecchio, these guys were not replaced with someone at this level. Uh, however, for me, Alba is an exciting team to watch only because of Luke Sigma. Oh yeah. You have to mention I'm a big fan sure. of, of Luke Sigma and this is a guy with a phenomenal basketball like you. He could be the smartest EuroLeague player on the court. And it is kind of, I don't know, strange for me that he never left for a bigger team. I I could see him playing in the elite teams. Uh, I remember Jalgiris was, okay, Jalgiris is not an elite team uh, when it takes, you know, top eight uh, teams, but I remember Jalgiris was interested in him and they like backed off uh, in the mm. last minute. Something just happened and Charles didn't want to sign But him. you know, sometimes when I see clubs like Armani and other uh, clubs in playoff contention, even Fenerbahce signing some of their players that they do, and I'm thinking, look, Sigma is better than these guys. And he's, well, I mean, he's like a coach's dream because he's so smart. You don't really need to tell him anything. He knows what to do mm -hmm. on the basketball court and his decision making. He's a great guy also off the court. And his decision making is just amazing. Uh, I know that he's injury prone and he misses some games throughout the season, but uh, Luke Sigma on, by himself makes this Alba team exciting. Yeah. Other than that, it's a nice roster with young players and Marcus Ericsson and, and, and a shooter be, and a yeah. shooter Marcus Ericsson, but it doesn't look like some some doesn't look like something that could uh, I don't know attract people's attention. What do you have for 16th seat? Yeah, 16th seat for me, I have Ralgiris. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, at first, I was thinking Ralgiris somewhere in between 12 and 14th spot mm -hmm. but then i i looked at the other teams and their rosters 
And I thought to myself that this is going to be a really tough season for Žalgiris. And in the beginning of the season, and these preseason games did not bring a lot of optimism as well. So considering all these things, um, I think they will be struggling this, this year in the EuroLeague. And uh, last week we were talking and I said uh, that uh, Martin Schiller doesn't look safe in his position. I think this season there might be some unusual uh, decisions made in Žalgiris organization. So the 16th uh, seed, it would be the lowest for Žalgiris since EuroLeague went to this format of the regular season. And I just don't think it's going to work with Emmanuel Moudier right now. My first thoughts are like... He still needs a lot of time. He needs a lot of time, but... And he's, he's, he's not that good defensively, like a lot yeah. of people thought. So, you know, we had Thomas Walkup, and I thought that Emmanuel Moody is a good replacement, uh, but if he needs a time, how much time he needs? Half a year? If it's half a year, then you will be already in the bottom of the EuroLeague. That's the thing. By that time. You know, Žalgiris has potential to be a decent team, but the thing is that for teams like Žalgiris, they have they don't have luxury to wait for something. For example, the last year, they started the season just great, like with five victories, and it helped them, you know, to put them in the position to at least to be in the conversation for the playoffs for a long time. Of course, they used, let's say, disadvantages of other teams, having COVID injuries and stuff like that. Uh, but this year it's different because they, they lost all five preseason games. They didn't impress me uh, a lot uh, in their season oper opener in Lithuania against Yonova. Uh, and I remember that the last year they playing against top eight teams, they won only three of uh, 16 games, if, if I'm right. So, you know, it, we're talking about the team uh, which won't, you know, exceed your expectations uh, playing against uh, top level teams in EuroLeague. And the main thing is that our teams just got better. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, the difference. Definitely. We had like Monaco, Unix, uh, below. And there's no Himki this year. Yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah. beat Himki last season. That I don't see a team like this uh, that could give away victories yeah. left and right. So for Žalgiris, I think it will be a difficult year because uh, also they have quite a few veteran players. I, I said it before, they have like four veteran players and uh, ideally you would have one or two guys like Jankunas, Milaknis, Kalnietis, also Janis Trelnex and his injury problems. Some of these new signings are still questionable. We cannot say that, for example, Josh Nebo will fit in the EuroLeague, that Niels Gifai and Taylor Kavanaugh will be these right uh, players for Žalgiris in the third and fourth positions. So some risky moves, of course, Moudier. And I, I, I think that Paulus Motunas understands that they are gambling with some of these signings because their budget is... Uh, small yeah seven and, million yeah not not a lot of money to spend and you have to gamble and sometimes when you gamble it doesn't work it's just the reality but i mentioned that uh, Žalgiris is Žalgiris they're going to be the Lithuanian champions they're probably going to win the Lithuanian cup maybe they will finish lower this season in the Euroleague for them very important is that the fans are coming back to, to the arena they're selling tickets so it's going to be better in the coming years but this season for Martin Schiller as i said is super important for his uh potential career in Europe, in EuroLeague, yeah. in the elite level. I just hope that we're going to be, you know, we are wrong about Jargadis like we were last year. Well, we're always saying that. And, and you know, uh, I have to be honest, 
I never predicted Jalgir is going to playoffs in, in Yasikiewicz's seasons. I always said, well, I believe they're going to be like the 10th seed or or the 12th, maybe in contention for the playoffs, but then they went to the final four. Then this season after I said, okay, they lost some of these key players and I don't see them doing anything like this ever again. They made the playoffs and they had a decent series against Fenerbahce. So Ralgiris was the team exceeding expectations year after year after year, even last season with, with Schiller. We thought, okay, Shara's era is done. Now there's a new coach. Now we won't see this super smart basketball and Ralgiris winning games against the big clubs. But okay, they had 17 wins and 17 losses. It was a decent year. So once again, maybe I'm just being too pessimistic. I don't know. I have Jargris as my 14th uh, seed. So who's the 16th? Cervena uh, Zvezda. And I feel bad, you know, for putting them so low uh, because that's a team full of fighters, very good group, uh, many local players, uh, kind of, you know, reunion uh, vibes over there with Kalinic, Radonjic, uh, Ivanovic, Mitrovic. Uh, they played together before. Serbes came back. Even, Serbes came back. Even the German veteran. Which is uh, pretty funny because the last year he played in Dubai. And it's it's really weird to see him in this team again. Of course, uh, he signed for a short-term co- uh, contract and probably Zvezda will sign you know a bigger name when the NBA preseason uh, training camps will start and we will have some you know players out of the league in the middle of October, somewhere close to November. But the biggest problem is that even roster-wise, they didn't get much better compared to the last season. Okay, okay, Kalinic is a great player, uh, one of the best uh, Serbian player, p- players in the EuroLeague. But to, to be honest, you know, he had a much better supporting cast in Valencia. And the worst thing is that they have so many injury problems, starting from small injuries, uh, going to like Aaron White. I'm just yeah. happy that he, he's out for like one or two months because that injury was really scary. Then Ognjan Dobrić missed all the preseason and he was supposed to be one of the core players. Our players, they are you know in and out all the time. So for teams like uh, Zvezda, as I mentioned, you know, Alba, Asvel, Jargiris, they don't have a luxury to have all these problems. So I just... I think that they will be competitive in some games. They're going to surprise some big teams, but I don't know. I have them as my 16th seed. I have them higher. I have them in the 14th spot. I like actually the Americans they signed this summer. For example, last year they were Jordan Lloyd's team. And you knew that Jordan Lloyd with these stats, he's going to go somewhere else. And they replaced him with a really solid shooting guard, Austin Hollins. And he's all-around player. He's not. It's only a great signing. Yeah, he he he's good on defense. Yeah, that's probably what what you wanted to say. But also, he's a shooter. He will have the ball in his hands a lot more than he did in in Zenit. Uh, so he can be their like primary scorer. And I I like how they replace Jordan Lloyd and the other Americans they signed. Nate Walters, experienced point guard. If he stays healthy, he's a solid point guard. In the Past few years, his main issue was the injuries. For example, in Kazan, he had an important role, but he got hurt a lot. So then they had uh, Cannon, they had Smith. Uh, there was not much time left for Nate Walters on the court, but he's a solid point guard. We remember him playing for Jalgiris that season. He was the replacement for Kevin Pangos. And I wouldn't say he disappointed. I think he played okay. 
So, yeah, Nate, I mean, he didn't play a lot last year, but um, it wasn't... Exp- I remember the game against Virtus. Uh, I think that that was, you know, the last game of uh, the semifinals of EuroCup. Yeah. And probably Walters wasn't even expected to play that game, and he was crucial. He he helped, you know, to kill Virtus when we are you know, about to make a comeback and maybe to get through the finals. So he, he has potential to be good, especially he played for Zvezda already. So in general... I like the idea of that team. Yeah. Again, it's a great group of guys, but all these issues and and all the ever better teams, let's say, that's why I put them. So, my, you know, this team. combined with uh, the fighting spirit of the Serbian players and also the crazy fans of Crvena Zvezda when they play their home games, I think this adds to a decent EuroLeague team, which I could see fighting for higher places. I put them in the 14th spot. Uh, Dejan Radonjic, when he's coaching Srivena Zvezda, he seems like a good coach. When he went abroad to Munich, then you start thinking he barely speaks English. Is he good enough for this team and all these things? But when he's in Zvezda, it seems okay. They seem stable. So I think they're a good team. But uh, one thing that I, I'm missing in the in the past, we would always see that Srivena Zvezda, for example, will have some of intriguing young prospects, young Serbian players, soon-to-be NBA players. In the recent years, most of their Serbians are either veterans or guys like 25, 26 years old. And when was the last time we saw like this next big, next big thing from Serbia playing in the EuroLeague for Srvena Zvezda? I don't really remember. Recently, their Serbian players are like Marko Simonovic. Probably that's a general issue in the EuroLeague. I mean, young players doesn't get playing time except from Luca, Jokobaitis maybe. Of course, well, you have to be an exceptional, like provide. a generational yeah. talent. Yeah, but Serbians are known for this, and I don't know, maybe just recently in the Zvezda system there were no gems players that could be like 18 years old and already quality in, in the Euroleague. Yeah, but these teams in the Euroleague doesn't have any patience. Uh, I remember like two Wait, or three they years ago, they changed like half of the yeah. head coaches. They cannot uh, afford until the new year. So. They cannot afford it. Uh, the last year started with Sasha Bradovic, then he went, then there were, uh, in the last few seasons, there were, there were constant changes mm. in the head coach's position in Silvana Zvezda every season. So, yeah. So, what do you have between Žalgiris and Zvezda, for example? Is there between Žalgiris and Zvezda, I have Panathinaikos. Yeah, me too. Coach Priftis to me seems like a good hire, but the roster is just super random. <laughs> Maybe that's, some that's of some of these new Americans will surprise me. And and you know, Priftis has experience working with kind of a random American players with all their respect. I mean, he did a great job uh, with Unix. But not in EuroLeague. That's a different beast. You that's can fair. win the Euro Cup with random American players, with scorers, guys that didn't make it to the NBA or were playing. We're saying random, not just to disrespect something, but you know, unexperienced uh, players, for unproven, the yeah, unknown, never played in the Euroleague, and you know they lost uh, some key players that could have been very important for Priftis. That is Hezonia, that is Mitoglu. For example, this roster with Mitoglu and Hezonia would seem very competitive. Now I only see Yanis Papapetru as the, I don't know, heart and soul of Panathinaikos. The only Thank God he stayed. The only true face of this team. 
when you think that previously he played with Kalates, he played with Mitoglu, played with some great Greek players or also great Americans, and they had a team with Xavi uh, Pasqual that, that was making the playoffs. And now he's the only one left, Papa Petro and the giant Papayanis maybe. But you know, a center like this is limited. I don't know what to expect from Kendrick Perry, Daryl Macon, J.I. Floyd, these players. I, I'm not sure what to expect from them. What I do see is that uh, this team was once again lacking shooters. What I see from the stats, from the numbers. Stuff to trust Nemanja Nedovic and his health he's issues. He's always injured. So you building a team around Nemanja Nedovic is very risky. And uh, last season, I think one of their biggest problems was that they didn't have shooters. So they were not a good three-point shooting team. And I'm not sure they solved this issue in the summer. Although, as I said, Dimitris Priftis is a good coach. I hope they will trust him. I hope he gets some time to build a team. But I just don't see them being very good this season. Yeah, I hope that uh, Priftis can become a game changer for Panathinaikos because it seems like after Xavi left, they couldn't find you know any consistent coach uh, for their program. Uh, I have stats from four uh, friendly games. It seems like Kendrick Perry adjusted to his new team pretty well. He was scoring 14 points per game. Papa Petru's stats are just crazy, 22 points per game. Maybe it's just the way he's showing how he deserved the plays in the NBA. Papa Petru is so loyal to Panathinaikos. I mean, in his position, he could join the biggest clubs in the EuroLeague or he could try for the NBA because he has a good skill set. He's a strong forward. He can guard multiple positions. He has basketball like you. He has everything. I would I would say like for example you see Barcelona they are one of the favorites they have Nigel Hayes as their main small forward they don't have a backup Alex Abrines is injured Papa Petru would solve all of the problems that Sharas has right now in this roster I remember I think it was like three or four years ago uh, there was a moment when Papa Petru probably was playing for Olympiakos and there was it was a summer when Panathinaikos was looking for a small forward. And what is interesting that Edgar Solano was, was in the conversation, you know, to fill that spot. So thank God, you know, Panathinaikos signed uh, Papa Petro, not just because he's a local player, but as we saw, he's loyal to his new team. He's the main piece of that new team. And he, as the time showed, he had more potential yeah. than Lanos. Two-dimensional player, all-around player. He improved as an offensive player in the... That's the main difference probably years. between Lanos and Papa Petro. <laughs> Papa Petro, at that time, he didn't look like an offensive threat, but now he added some, some moves back to the basket. He improved his three-point shooting. He improved his leadership, I would say. He probably understands his role that right now he is the Greek guy everybody's looking at. He is the one who needs to step up, who needs to say a word when, when things are not in the right way. And I think Dimitris Priftis probably will see Papa Petro as his, his main guy. But 15th place for me. Okay, so I have uh, Alba, Aswell, then Zvezda, Pau, and Jargiris. Okay, so we discussed these so far. And what is your 13th seed? 13th seed, I have Unix. Me too. Uh, when it takes Unix and Monaco, these uh, I was considering these teams as my you know biggest gambles. Uh, I thought that maybe one of these teams could have a shot for the playoffs, and I had to choose between them. And I think that 
there is way more gam- gambling, you know, uh, about Unix, uh, and they're they're just crazy. They're surprising us to this day because nobody could have expected them to sign OG Mayo, starting from Mario Hezonia, of course. Uh, then they signing Brantley uh, from Utah, and then I'm hearing that they're still on the market for the combo guard or something like that. Combo guard. And a team with Isaiah Cannon, Mario Hezonia and OJ yeah. Mayo are looking for a combo guard. And I'm I'm not wow. 100% sure about this information, but the main question which comes to my mind is like, can we play like with free balls on the court at the same time, you know, to, to help this team to win games? Because I, I just see a lot of chemistry issues uh, wow. for, for this team. Wow. Oh my God. Well, you know what, if, if, somehow all these guys click together there's so much talent in this team and they could do some big things maybe i don't think they have they are that strong in center and power forward position i don't know if tony jekiri as the main center is enough uh, but you know the perimeter guys the shooters the ball handlers uh, very talented of course it seems impressive mario hazonia he's gonna have a big stat line either way whether Unix is a winning team or not. 25 points in two games so far. So Mario Hazoni is probably going to be competing for the Alfonso Ford Award. If he keeps this up, he could be scoring like more than 20 points per game. We know his mentality. He's, he has this killer mentality. He's, I would say, a little bit arrogant, but he trusts himself. He's like Linus Kleiser. He trusts in, himself in 100%. He wants the ball. He wants to take the shots. He, it doesn't matter to him how many shots he missed previously. So in this case, there comes another guy. I was covering the Euro Cup playoffs last year, and I said Isaiah Cannon. I I, uh, I gave like a name to his shot. It's Cannonball. What does it mean? It means that he is shooting like crazy. Um, he is the shortest guy on the court. His shot has this super high arc, and he was facing uh, uh, Krasnodar locomotive in the in the playoff playoffs in Euro Cup. He has a night with one from eighteen shooting. Then he comes next game like nothing happened, and he once again takes fourteen or fifteen jumpers. He makes more. He makes on a better percentage. He was scoring, I believe, like fifteen points per game in the Euro Cup, and he would sit here and you would tell him, "Dude, you did these things in Euro Cup, but now it's the Euro League." And he would say, "Like, what's the difference? I'm gonna play my basketball. <laughs> I don't care. It's Euro League, Euro Cup, whatever." And <laughs> they have so many players that want the ball in their hands Lorenzo and Brown want to is shoot. Also, you know, the point guard, which yes. is not like he's you know mainly creating for others. He also likes to. <laughs> and now you're saying hands. they're looking for another combo guard. I hope I'm wrong with this information <laughs> well, because I'm scared. I could say that they need a big guy, somebody who could play four and five, but combo guard, these players are super combo guards. Although I like John John Brown. Yeah, but I he's think a hard worker. This team needs more hard workers. And it seems like, you know, they're making a huge humble based on talent, which, you know, they're ex- exploded with talent. And the question remains, is coach Perasovic the right higher for this team because I really thought in the summer that they would extend Priftis and he would try to he led the team to the EuroLeague so now the next step he's going to build a team for the EuroLeague and continue coaching them but they went for a change uh, probably Pr- Priftis just wanted, Priftis to, go wanted to go home yeah and well I think they signed Parasovic because they were looking for a coach that would allow these players to play free 
they will play fast well, he's very basketball. tough and i can but wait to see you know how og mayo will fit og mayo we, we cannot say anything about how he will fit because what we remember about og mayo him being a good shooting guard in the nba then facing that ban then went going to china and that was the last we heard about og mayo so we cannot know how he looks right now i wouldn't be surprised if og mayo becomes a flop in, in the Euroleague, although it's a big name. But about Perasovic, yes, he is a hard coach, but remember his teams like Basconia or FS, they were playing offensive basketball, fast breaks, high scoring mm. games. It was not working so well, but how this roster is built, I cannot imagine them being a defensive team. It's impossible. No way. So I think they were looking for a coach that could bring the best out of these talents at the same time, maybe trying to bring in some discipline, trying to coach them hard because, you know, it's not easy to coach a team with Hezonia, Cannon and Mayo now <laughs> in this picture. Okay, so good luck for, for Kazan. Although, again, I, I like the way how they want, you know, to compete in the EuroLeague. Uh, uh, we spoke in the, our la latest uh, podcast that when it takes markets like Monaco, Unix, now they're, they might be fun to watch. Um, they have players like, you know, Hezonia, uh, Mayo, uh, Monaco has Mike James and all the other guys. So now they are attractive to watch. So it's probably the best what teams from such markets like uh, Monaco and, and Kazan can do. This is the case when we are predicting the 13 spot but we would not be shocked if they yeah. if they will make the playoffs with and these players. that's the amble you have to make yeah. if you want to stay in the EuroLeague. they have to make the playoffs in order to keep their positions in the EuroLeague yeah. for the next season because they they're coming from the euro cup and that's that's how the rules works yeah. in the EuroLeague. so you know it so, might, it so, might so now it's 100 percent. this is how yeah. it works yeah now yeah. you're sure yeah i'm, I'm sure okay. i talked to some people you talked to some people so yeah. these people could i mean spread the word to everybody it would be better. Yeah, probably we'll need to make some <laughs> article or something about that. I mean, so people need to listen to a podcast to find out the actual system of how how the EuroLeague works. But in the end of the day, where's the communication? And you know, wow. In the end of the day, it seems like if, for example, Monaco and Unix will make the playoffs, probably the runners up of the Euro Cup won't qualify to so, the EuroLeague. So if, that's if a bad news for Monaco and Unix make the playoffs. Partisan. Both of them have to keep their places in the yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay, seems a little bit unfair. It but no, Kazan has um, history in, in EuroLeague. They made playoffs once. I remember Kate them Langford? playing a series against Barcelona. Was it the Cave? Cave Langford? was coaching. They had Nathan Jawaya, I believe. They had okay. Henry Domerkant. Okay. They had Legendary these players. And Chuck Aitzen was not playing. I think candy. not. But that was an ugly series. All games were like 59-52 okay. scoreline. Super defensive series. For Kazan to make the playoffs. Yeah, they were in, they were in the quarterfinals. Okay, moving on. Okay, so I respect the gamble. Let's move on. You have Unix's 13th seed yeah, as, well, as well, right? Yeah. Okay, so what's next? So I just took more or less the same decision about Monaco as well. Me the same. I, I put them in the 12th. Uh, I think that one of these two teams actually will exceed the expectations, but when you're making predictions, you're trying to be rational. And so I, I believe that Monaco will have some runs, but I don't see them being very consistent. Uh, 
we talked a lot in the previous podcast that will be an interesting team to watch because of Mike James, because of Donatas Motiunas, because of Zvezdan Mitrovic, how he will handle the situation. Uh, and Mike James will get his numbers. And I believe he will last the full season. But I, I think they could like go for a run, three wins in a row, then lose five games in a row. And it will be like this. So I think they will finish somewhere in the 12th spot. At first, I, I was thinking about putting them like in the ninth uh, seed or 10th seed. But when it takes all these other teams like, you know, Maccabi, Bayern, Basconia, for example, my decision, my um, prediction was based more on, you know, consistency uh, yeah. and trusting the process. And with Monaco, you never know. But why I put them above above uh, Unix is that I think that this team is just built better than Unix. Uh, I see a very clear playmaker, floor general like Leo Westerman. I see scorer Mike James. I see very intelligent player Bill Thomas, uh, Donatas Motiunas, uh, Alpha Diallo, that's a solid starting five. All the other guys coming off the bench and coach Zvezdan Mitrovic, I think that's what it makes difference. Uh, the difference why Monaco might be a better team than Unix uh, this season. But again, I don't think they will be a good defensive team. As Unix will have some problems, uh, so will Monaco. They're, I think that they, they're better in terms of defense than Unix. But you know, Donatus Motiunas, we talked, other teams will be targeting him with their pick and rolls, definitely. Mike James can be good on defense when he wants to be, but usually his energy is on, on the offensive end, trying to make these big plays. And but the thing is that Monaco has deep roster. If you don't like Donatas Motuna's defense and when the you know opponent starts uh, attacking him, you can use the length of uh, Donta Hall. Uh, there is another guy on their front line, Butzeli, if I mm -hmm. pronounce it right. So he's also a pretty big, strong body. So I think that they have too many players actually on their roster and I, I'm a bit surprised the way how they upgraded the team in the last few weeks. They signed Mike James, Will Thomas, Broke Motum, also Alpha Diallo. And I don't understand why they decided to invest so much right now, because probably they would have made some different moves like in July, in, in June or something. And I'm not sure how they will put all the other remaining players in the back of like Mike James and Bill Thomas and, and others. So it's, it's going to be interesting adjustment well, for for Zvezdan. Well, maybe the owner went to the Monaco Casino and he made a gamble and he won. So he decided, <laughs> well, I have these extra millions now. What can I do? Hmm. Let's call Mr. Vatutin and check on Mike James' situation. <laughs> oh, Will Thomas is available. Man, I have a bag of money and these free agents. Let's sign these guys. Although we have a full roster already. <laughs> I don't know how it worked, but yeah, it's strange to see that uh, they made like key signings when the season is already about to begin. But okay, 12th place, I don't think it's a bad prediction. I think it's uh, in this competitive environment, 12th place is like 14 or 15 wins. So it, it, it would yeah, be And decent. again, when we talk Monaco, it means that they need some extraordinary oh, yeah. decisions uh, to exceed the expectations. So... 
Good job. Okay, 11 spots for me is Bayern Munich, the the biggest Cinderella story of the last season. I don't see them making the playoffs this time, but I still I still think they will be competitive with Andrea Trinkieri with the replacements they signed. Uh, guys like Otello Hunter, Darren Hilliard, Corey Walden. I think these are probably the best replacements they could find with their money when they had to replace Baldwin, Reynolds, uh, these key players. And Darren Hillard should be extra motivated uh, to like revive his career because he in, in, in CSK he was not himself. Now he will be in the team where uh, they have to trust him. They have to put the ball in his hands. He can be more than just a shooter. He can be a ball handler. Um, Corey Walden will have these responsibilities, and I like the signing of Otello Hunter. He's a great veteran center with uh, all these good qualities, pick and rolls, rebounding, experience. And Deshaun Thomas they added as well. Yeah, right? I like Deshaun so Thomas. Another good signing, another veteran, and uh, we know that Andrea Trinchieri, um likes to finish like finish the roster with experienced players. Like Remember last season, they added James Gist and DJ Seeley on the way. And with them, they became better. And Deshaun Thomas, Otello Hunter, they are very experienced guys. They don't need to learn anything. They already know how to play and they will fit the system, I believe. And at the same time, Andrea Trinchieri will have some young talents. Yeah, and they also signed the local player, Andreas Obst, who was actually the top scorer of Bayern Munich in the six games. We saw him in the Olympics as well. Yeah. He's a shooter. He's a good shooter, so he could be... Can boost the team uh, off the bench. Yeah, he could be one of the better German players. Uh, we know that they will be waiting for Paul Zipser to come back after mm. his uh, horrible injury. Augie Rubit actually was doing a good, uh, good yeah, job. Rubit. 11 yeah, points yeah. Uh, per game. I mean, I like all these pieces. Uh, it makes Bayern very smart very trustworthy team, I would say. And you always trust Andrea Trinkieri. So when I when it takes 11th, 10th and 9th seed, I had, it's, it, for me, it's like a grain zone. Uh, you can put any team and for example, the next day I, ca I can choose the other team in, in that kind of, you know, in that mix. But what you say now? I just trust it, Bayern it, this Munich. This is what counts. So where do you put them? Uh, ninth seed. Ninth seed, okay. So just because I trust them more than two other teams I have. So for me, 11. But we, we both agree that the margins will be like oh yeah, one win or two wins separating these Especially teams. from for, for me, from the ninth to yeah. 13th seed probably, then there's a bigger margin between 14 and 18. Well, either way, we, we both agree that Bayern will be solid. Uh, but who is your uh, I have number Basconia. 11? Basconia. Mm -hmm. I, I love the potential of Basconia. I believe that it might be one of the most attractive teams in the early for the upcoming season, if it clicks. And that's the biggest question. We have head coach Dusko Ivanovic and uh, Wade Baldwin as your primary uh, guard uh, for your team. I like all the other pieces. Simone Fontecchio, Noko, uh, Enoch. Might be interesting case. Get right is Costello actually could Costello, be an underrated yeah. signing because now they did not have Alec Peters in their first game in in, in the Spanish uh, Liga. Although Andesa. he played before, but now and Costello wasn't playing at first, and then they so kind in of Valencia switched. in Valencia Peters didn't play, but Costello played and he actually scored the uh, uh, crucial buckets uh, mm -hmm. at the end of the game. And this was not a quality game of basketball, first of all. Both teams were struggling, Valencia and Basconia. But I saw that Wade Baldwin still has his issues and uh, Dusko Ivanovic has to trust the experienced player, Jason Granger, to control the team. Uh, 
However, Rocco's get right is once again seems in a good shape at the beginning of the season. Simone Fontecchio, yeah. he already looks like a good fit. The question mark is mainly on Wade Baldwin, actually. And the centers, I'm not sure. I know that Dusko likes to play big. Landry Noko, Steven Enoch. They never had, you know, guys. great uh, centers. It will be rebounders. Maybe that's what Dusko needs. Just maybe you know, I don't role know. players, I don't rebounders. Know. But I like them. They were more exciting when they had Polonara, and he would uh, mm. push Polonara to the five position for the fourth quarter. Then they switch everything. They become more physical, and and uh, I like that idea. But uh, uh, of course, they parted ways with let's say Limanediop with uh, Yusuf Afal. Mm. These big guys and they replace them with more athletic players i would say uh but i think their main power is still in the third position gedraitis and fontecchio i think these are the glue guys that could make this team going and then of course wade baldwin what will he deliver i'm not sure this first game in valencia was a mess but Valencia also was not playing very well, so they, they took this victory. But it will definitely take time for Wade Baldwin to adjust and for Dusko Ivanovic to probably understand him, not only as a basketball player, but as a human being, which is also very important in coaching. I really believe that if Wade Baldwin will adjust, will fit this team, will find the connection with uh, Dusko, I really believe that Basconia can make the playoffs. But at the same time, they are so unpredictable that if that project will fail, they might be somewhere like 11, 12, or even 13 seed. But That's it's a good thing that they addressed the issue of shooters because uh, when Dusko Ivanovic first came into this team, they had no shooters at all. They were the worst three-point shooting team in EuroLeague. Then year by year, they added players like Gadraitis, like Peters. Now they added Vanya Marinkovic, who is another shooter. Costello so, also. No, yeah, Costello, Costello he's, he can play as a stretch four. He can, he can make long-distance shots. Uh, so now the team is surrounded by good shooters. So if you have a point guard like Baldwin or Pierre Henry last season, uh, who is not known for three-point shooting, he doesn't have to take as many shots because he is surrounded by players who can make those buckets. So this is a good idea. But the balance in this team, we will see if this is the right, uh, if, if they made the right moves in center position and trusting Wade Baldwin and all this stuff. Do you have the same team as our 10th seed? So Basconi is my 10th seed. Oh, Basconi. Yeah, Bayern, is Bayern 11. Basconi is number 10. And Maccabi is 9th? Nope. Okay. You see Maccabi is a playoff team. Okay. I do. Because I have them as my 10th seed. Okay. I just, I see the improvement. And I, I've heard that Maccabi is happy with the roster they built. And it seems like that this roster fits Sferopoulos game better than last year. And you cannot forget that they started the last season like with two or even more players missing. Caspi was injured. Uh, they signed Dragon Bender later, if I remember well. They didn't replace Queen Seisi in the beginning. And they had terrible uh, preparation stage for the season uh, because they started it very late because of uh, Israeli championship uh, taking place in the end of July, something like that. And... Uh, but the main thing about Maccabi is that, again, when it seemed like they have all this team set for the season, they have the first preseason uh, press conference, 
first uh, open practice and bam, COVID happens. And if I'm correct, I think that they didn't have a single practice with full uh, roster. And again, we are talking about very important uh, phase of the season, the preparation uh, for the season. And it might cost them some wins in the beginning of the year, and it might, you know, cost them the place in the playoffs. And I like the idea of this team. I like Keenan Evans. Uh, I like uh, other guards. I think that they're better defenders. They have a better defensive, uh, defensively, they, they are better than the last year. But the main question is how they will find the chemistry. Nunnally, Derek Williams, uh, Scotty, Wilbekin, there is Reynolds uh, also. So I wouldn't surprise about them making the playoffs, but I have some question marks. Well, the additions of Derek Williams, Jalen Reynolds, and James Newley actually excites me. I always like Maccabi because I actually fell in love with Tel Aviv as a city when I was there, and I think it's just the best place for any American to play in Europe. In Tel Aviv, you can feel like in the States, and uh, everything is so good in the organization itself. So this it's not a coincidence that so many great American players have played in the in Maccabi or will play in the future, definitely. And when I see like Derek Williams uh, going here, he is one of my, I would say, top five favorite Americans in EuroLeague right now. I'm very happy that he is here. He maybe did not have very good seasons in Bayern. Uh, I'm sorry, in Bayern he was great. In in Fenerbahce, in Valencia, in also. Valencia also, not consistent, had some injuries. But in Maccabi, I think it's an environment where he can flourish. Mm. And That's I'm a expecting, fit for them. And I'm expecting a good season from Scotty Wilbekin because last year was difficult for him. It was difficult for the whole team. They lost so many games in overtime by buzzer beaters, uh, by one or five points margin. They were a little bit unlucky. They could not actually compete for the playoffs in the second part of the season. But I think they will make a comeback to the playoffs with Coach Sferopoulos. Uh, what makes me believe in them is what happened before COVID. The 2019-2020 season, they were actually racing with CSK for the fourth seat all this time, led by Scotty Wilbekin, coached by Yanis Feropoulos. And it's just that the pandemic uh, hit us all and, and the season was never continued and you never know what might have happened. They could have made the playoffs. Uh, they would have made the playoffs, definitely. The final four was the question. So I think they will have a lot of motivation. They will take a lot of motivation from the last season, what happened. And um, of course, what you, what you said about their preparation stage, it's an issue. They might struggle, uh, but I believe in this team. I just believe they will make the playoffs and I actually gave them the seventh seed. Mm. So as your 10th seed, you have Olympiakos? No, Bosconi is my 10th seed, as ah. I said. Guys, just a quick reminder, our bonus is available on all major streaming platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. Uh, just write your bonus in, in the search bar and make sure to follow us uh, so you don't miss out our future episodes. Also, do not forget to visit basketnews.com where you will find the latest European basketball news and exclusive content. And ninth seed. This is interesting. Zenit. Okay. You see them as a playoff material. You see Xavi Pasquale as one of the best coaches in, in Europe. You remember how they 
gave a hell of a fight to, to Barcelona in the series last last season. But now they had to replace Kevin Pangos. They replaced him with Shabazz Napier, who is an interesting signing, but he got injured playing in Russia, and the injury seemed like long-term. And uh, all of a sudden, you don't have the main point guard you can trust. Of course, there are other great players in other positions. It's a well-built team with a super solid coach. But I'm not sure if they will be that consistent this season. Last year, we were talking how good they are, how good Kevin Pangos is. But don't forget, they barely made the playoffs. It's not like they took one of the four seeds. But they were always like the... They were the always fifth, there. Place, yeah. they, were, they were always there, but they had to fight till the end. And uh, in the end, they were the eighth seed and they had to face Barcelona. So I'm, I'm just thinking it's going to be so close and you have to make maybe some predictions that do not make as much sense in this case. Mm. Let's say putting Olympiacos ahead of Zenit, but that's what I did. That's a brave and mainly because of Shabazz Napier's situation. Because Probably just because of Shabazz Napier's it, situation. Well, it changes everything. If we saw his first game, he hit like six from eight three pointers. He scored the three points, thirty-three points. And if if we would be here talking and Shabazz Napier is healthy, I would I would see Zenit like sixth or seventh. But now we don't know when he's gonna come back to the court. Is it going to be December? Is it going to be after the new year? The injury seems kind of serious, so it changes a lot because the other point guard they signed... Uh, Frank Kemp. I'm not sure if he is EuroLeague material. Uh, I doubt, also. And the worst part is that the market is bad for yeah. teams which are looking for point guards. You know, you, can you remember ask, uh, last Andrei season Wotutin. they had no backup for Kevin Pangos. Mm-hmm. So which it's a good Hostov thing that was probably the backup, right? And and Zaharov or Zaharov something. Zaharov maybe. Yeah. So and Pangas, it's it's a good thing he stayed healthy. He played thirty five minutes in the most important games. And who's going to be the point guard now? Yeah, and we saw the outcome of missing the point guard in the game against CSKA. Uh, although they were competitive, but it's completely different team. But I have Zenit. I rank them higher. Uh, I just hope that Shabazz Napier will get sooner than later. And when he will come back, Zenit will be very, very good team. Mm. Great team. With Shabazz Napier healthy, I would have them maybe as my fifth seed, uh, actually, because I just trust Xavi Pascal. He's one of the best coaches uh, in the EuroLeague. Uh, that's uh, for sure. He kept some, probably more than a half of his uh, roster. Uh, and he improved the roster with better offensive uh, players. And Shabazz Napier fit was much better than I expected personally, although he had flaws in defense, but offensively he was just unstoppable. And he's willing to pass the ball, he's willing to share the ball, nobody could catch him. When you try to catch him, uh, you're gonna you know, get the three-pointer in your face. And it's really tough uh, to stop him. And what I loved them even more, how competitive this team was. I, I was surprised how Jordan Mickey, Jordan Lloyd, they were fighting for all these, you know, 50-50 balls. They were putting their bodies. Uh, I'm not sure if they will keep it that kind of spirit consistently for the whole season. You have to if you want to play for Xavi. That's, that, that's <laughs> the thing. That's what comes from Xavi. So 
I just trust his IQ. I, I trust the competitive spirit of that team. But of course, I, I, I gamble on Napier's health situation yeah. because as I mentioned, it seems like it, it will take longer uh, than we wish, you know, to have him back uh, on the court in the EuroLeague. But I think that Zenit will be in the playoffs. I have them as they my should be. sixth seed. They should be. So this, in this case, my prediction is yeah. sort of not controversial, but uh, illogical, mm. uh, you could say. I like the signing of Jordan Mickey, actually. He will probably be, he will probably play more as a power forward in this team because when you see they have Poitras, they have uh, Guditis, uh, they are filled in, in center position. But uh, Jordan Mickey can play as a power forward. He can play in the paint. He can play outside. He can actually hit a jumper. In the last few seasons, he was shooting more three-pointers than ever. For Himki and also uh, when he played for Real Madrid, so this is a very good signing. Uh, they added some depth uh, with Mindogas Kuzminskas. Let's say he can be as a replacement, as a cover for Mateusz Ponitka in the third position. In some cases, you can move him to the fourth. Uh, but do you think that maybe, perhaps, if they don't sign anybody new, if they don't sign any point guard on the market? Jordan Lloyd could become their primary ball handler. He is a scorer, we know that, but maybe Xavi Pasquale under these circumstances could make a point guard from him. Watching the game against CSKA, it seemed like that Jordan Lloyd will be their primary option for the point guard position. And it sounds a bit crazy. We know him as a pure scorer, but when you have Xavi Pascal on the sidelines, you can expect some good things happen. This could work. This could work. He's a he's just a player that needs to I don't know have the right instructions from the coach. If he doesn't, maybe he will be uh, the player who sometimes destroys the team chemistry. But uh, if everything is okay, I I could see him being a point guard actually for he could be a scoring point guard. It's not a mm -hmm. problem. It's it's not a bad thing if your point guard is a scorer. It could be very good. And they don't have any other options in this case because Shabazz Napier is not playing and Frank Kamp, from what we're seeing and hearing, he might not even last the full season in Zenit. So. Yeah, I just hope that if Shabazz's situation will be bad, it will get worse, they will invest. And as far as we know, you know, Zenit should have some money. They always have money uh, when it's needed. So when the NBA season starts, we will have more point guards available from, from that market. So if that will be the case, they might sign somebody, you know, to, to replace both Frank Kamp, Frank Kamp, who cannot adjust, and, uh, of course, Shabazz Napier. So you have Zenit as number six? Yeah. For me, they're number nine. Who is your number I like nine? the fact that we have Olympiacos in the playoffs. Because both I, of us? Yeah. So who's your number nine? Uh, my number nine is Bayern. I oh, had uh, okay. from the 11th seed, I had Basconia, Maccabi, Bayern, and now yeah, yeah. Olympiacos. I could even rank them higher, but making them the playoff team already is a pretty brave prediction. It's an improvement. It's an improvement from, from the last season. For the last previous season. Three seasons. seasons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, I like the way how they... The best thing about Olympiacos is that finally... Uh, they can feel the relief of Spanulis retiring. Retiring. I like Spanulis. He's he's Kobe for me in Europe. But that's the same what happened with Kobe and LA Lakers. 
uh, it just took longer when it was needed for both sides, you know, to understand that this is it. This is the end. We need some changes. Now Olympiacos doesn't need uh, to build a team thinking that, okay, we will have to play Spanulis, so we have to uh, sign guards based on the way how we, do, how we will play. And I just love Slukas and Thomas Walker fit. I just love that Dorsey is also in this backcourt rotation. Could be a very underrated signing, actually, Tyler Dorsey. He's he's a great player. He's a great scorer. He's he a, a smart player. He has a Greek citizenship, I believe. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, you're right. So, I, I love Volkov addition. I, I as far as I know, that Olympiakos people also love uh, f- fell in love with Volkov very quickly, starting from the coaching staff to to players to the fans. And I, I love the way how they build this roster. I like Livio Jean-Charles, Papa Nicolaou, Makisic, Vizenkov was doing some crazy things in the preseason. They have Hassan Martin as an undersized center. Mustafa Fall uh, is very different center, but I like this fit. So maybe this team will be lacking of depth, but I like all these pieces. I believe uh, Coach Barzakas is a very good coach uh, also. And... I hope that finally they will make the playoffs. Yeah, I think they will. Uh, I have them as my eighth seed. And, you know, uh, Tyler Dorsey and Thomas Walkup makes their uh, lineup of guards so solid. You have Costas Lucas, your playmaker, and Tyler Dorsey can be the scorer, but he can defend as well. Thomas Walkup. But all these players are so different in a good way. And they can play together in the, in mm-hmm. the same lineup easily. Thomas Walkup, one of the best defensive guards in EuroLeague, Arguably the best, actually, when you need to put the pressure on on somebody that has the ball in their hands. Uh, Olympiakos should know because Thomas Walkup's, Walkup made that steal hmm. when they played in Konas last season. It was the game-winning steal. So these are good signings. And other than that, they did not need to change so much. Maybe they just needed more time for these guys to glue together. We know that last year they were playing only in EuroLeague not playing in the Greek championship, so they did not have as many games. And maybe it was a disadvantage at the end. Uh, They were actually not that far away from the playoffs last season. They just lost some heartbreaking games, especially the two losses against Uh Ralkidis. At home with Jokubaitis, free throws, away with walk-up steal and, and the layup. So if you would add these two victories, they would be very, very close to the top eight. Yeah, just two wins away from the yeah. top eight. So that's the math. That's the maths. And now with the better roster, they could be in the playoffs. So Olympiakos, you have as Number eight. Number eight. Uh, number seven, uh, Maccabi, we, we've discussed it. Yeah. Uh, I have Fenerbahce. Number seven. That's my number seven. They started the preseason very promising. I was a bit surprised how fast they connected to each other, how fast they had that great chemistry despite some major changes. Uh, but the thing is that they still have some injury problems. Peria Henry joined the team pretty late, halfway of the preseason. Uh, Marko Guduric was the main glue guy for the team last season who helped to recover the season, actually. He's injured and it's not clear yet when he will be able to join the team. So it will take some time. Uh, new coach, the roster which was built not for him, it will for sure take some time. But in the end, uh, if they made the playoffs last year, I will for sure see them in the playoffs again uh, this year. I hear that Mariel Shayok is an exciting 
a lot of newcomer, people yeah like this signing although he's not you know playing his full potential yet at all but his scoring abilities are very intriguing there were some concerns about his health uh, knees especially uh, but Fener did uh, very deep uh, testing of his health situation and they think that okay it's it's it might be risky but it's worth the risk and it's not that bad what could you know take him away from the game i ranked fenerbahce higher i ranked them as the five uh, five seed okay um i just trust the team with the colo and Vesley playing pick and rolls first of all these are one of the best talents in their position still in, in europe although none of the colo is already a veteran but what we saw last season he's not getting older he's just getting better and he to my surprise he actually played uh, amazing in the olympics as well for for france so i don't have any doubts about nando de colo being maybe even a strong contender for the mvp who knows he's 34 i think so I guess, yeah. yeah that's crazy and yeah Vesely, he's still at the peak of his career he's like a unique player any team would love to have him you can play him as a fourth as a five uh, on defense he can do everything he can switch he can go there and stop other teams perimeter players if if needed on the switch uh, probably the best pick and roll uh, center right now in, in Euroleague I, I I've actually forgot forget the fact that uh, mm, when he joined Fener in 2014 I had an interview with Wesley and the funny thing was that he mentioned that uh, Jelko played the pick and roll with him and Nemanja Bielica. Bielica was the ball handler, so the, they were they were playing the pick and roll with four and five men. Well, Bielica is like a point forward. Yeah, so but make, still, that, that was something unique in the Euroleague <laughs> back then. I agree. Yeah, but but it makes sense. And uh, his combo with Lucas was deadly. Nobody could stop them. So now with the Colo, they are the pick and roll duo. Everybody is afraid of adding Pierre Henry, adding all these other solid pieces, uh, adding depth with uh, guys like but Devin Booker or Akilia Polonara. What's surprising is that you were a bit underrating their summer moves. Like one Pierre Henry, I, I was doubting it. Uh -huh. But what you know, changed? well, no disrespect to Coach Kokoshkov. Ah, I just okay. think they are in a better situation now with Sasha Georgievich. I think it will be better. We will see more quality basketball from them. We will see them better prepared for each and every game in terms of having a game plan against specific teams. Because uh, last season with Kokoshkov, I thought that they were sort of playing their game each and every week. Doesn't matter who's the opponent. Mm -hmm. And now I think there will be more preparation, more tactics. Yeah, and that was the idea of uh, Igor Kokoshkov. And uh, that interview with Akila Polonara it's great to hear a guy saying uh, after a season in Basconia mm -hmm. where he was rated so highly that it doesn't matter if I play five or 20 minutes, I will do my best. So with this mentality, you can do some great things. And these European players they have on the roster. Don't forget Devin Booker. He was actually their top scorer after four games in the preseason with 12, uh, 12 points per yeah, game. So he's a good center. He can play with Wesley on the, on the same lineup. He can play... Uh, as the main center, depending on the situation. And these European players that they have, all all of them seem to me like championship mentality. Polonara, De Colo. Vesely, of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, 
these are guys you can trust. Marco Guderich as well. Mm -hmm. Danilo Bartelor also a solid role player from Germany. Of course, a lot of, a lot will depend on on Pierre Henry how he will fit. Will he be a good help to De Colo? Uh, but I put him, I would say, quite high in the in the yeah. five spot. So far, it was not easy for Pierre Henry. After four games, he had six uh, points per game on 45% uh, shooting, uh, also 4.5 assists and 3.5, uh, eight turnovers. So, yeah. but that's that's natural. He just came we from, know from the national We team. know him, we know who he is. So. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, number so six. I have Olympiacos at, as eighth and uh, Fenerbahce at seven and number six. Oh, I, I already discussed Zenit. Okay, so my sixth seed is Armani. Uh-huh. I mean, they're a good team. You're trusting Ettore Messina, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but there are a lot of changes to the roster. And the new American players they signed, uh, we are not sure whether they will be so good in EuroLeague, for example, Troy Daniels. We know his name. We know more or less his skill set. But we we don't know if he's going to be a good replacement for Kevin Punter, who was their best scorer. He was a very consistent scorer. And now we see yeah. Troy Daniels, of course, is very early in the season. Yeah. In the preseason, he won, in one game, he had 19 points. And the next night, he had like five. And after losing Zach Lide, I like their reaction because they signed Nicola Melli and Konstantinos Mitoglu, good European players. And Nicola Melli coming back from the NBA. He's an Italian player which is another important thing. Mitoglu, underrated player, I would say, for Ponatinaikos. Maybe his numbers were not so impressive, but he did all these mm. little things on the court. Actually, Coach Pitino tweeted once after he he was done coaching Ponatinaikos that Dinos was my favorite player in this team. He's like... <laughs> Upgraded version of, or let's say, the best version of Paulus Yankunas we had. He's a very tough guy. He's a hard worker, and that's what I like about Meli and Mitoglu replacing uh, Lide because Meli will add some skill in the paint, yeah. and Mitoglu will match uh, Lide's energy and the effort uh, in the paint. But you know, they're still depending on veterans like Sergio Rodriguez, Kyle Hines, uh, Luigi Datome. And it's and risky. We're talking about 34, you, 5 plus. You never know club. when the season comes, when these guys start uh, getting older and slower. And, and maybe. Especially when you have uh, Chacho as your main point guard. Well, maybe Malcolm Delaney, you could say he's a main point guard. We will see. Uh, last season they were like 50 50, but. Uh, main playmaker, I would say. I still I consider Malcolm as a scorer and. In this team, I think you yeah, need so, some, so somebody who... With, with these veterans, you never know when they will start declining. Okay, last year they were still like playing in their prime, but it, I mean, inevitably there will be a season when they will start declining and you would say they're already too old. They are not good enough for this big role in the team. And another thing is that last season they were very predictable. They were very easy to read. They were playing this ISO basketball all the time. S the opponent switch, then Punter, Delaney, or Chacho has the ball in their hands and they are doing something off the dribble. They had the least assists in EuroLeague despite being a Final Four team. And when you are that predictable, you're just depending on your talent, uh, on, on these ball handlers that they will take care of business. It's kind of hard for me to imagine them being a Final Four team again, knowing that Kevin Punter is, is a hard player to replace. I don't have them 
in my top four because I just think that the other teams uh, improved and they improved more than Milan this uh, offseason. Okay. Well, Shimon Shields is my favorite player in this team for sure. He's still their um, best scorer so far in the preseason with 13 points per game. I have a lot of respect and admiration for Ettore Messina. Now, not only as a coach, but as a president, he is actually choosing the players he's that like he's going to coach. He's making all these decisions. And um, you know, what I what I really like about him is he, he's flexible. First, uh, first try was with the team that had a lot of size, a lot of slower, big players. They had Goditis, they had Scola. They saw that it doesn't really work in modern EuroLeague. So in one summer, everything changes. They go from this to Kyle Hines, to Zach Lide, to these very athletic and mobile uh, bigs and signing ball handlers like Delaney and uh, Punter. So Atore Messina knows what it takes to win the EuroLeague and knows what kind of players they need. But still, when you sign... Devon Hall, when you sign Jerry and Grant, when you sign Troy Daniels, in the context of EuroLeague, it looks like gambles. So I have them as, as the sixth seed. Uh, so we have them as your sixth, and uh, Fener was your fifth yes, seed. Yes, yes. Uh, seven was... Seven was Maccabi. Maccabi. Okay, so we have the same top four. But probably in different positions. Mm, I think I have Real Madrid as my fourth seed. Okay, me too. This one, uh, on this one, we agree. Okay, uh, I just don't know what to explain about them. I, we talked so much about yeah. Real Madrid already, and I fell in love with them just because of you, uh, because of the idea uh, you shared about their upgrades, and I liked what I saw in Supercopa. I liked the fit of uh, Poirier. Uh, I want. Mm, repeat myself about uh, Yabusele and all these players. And as soon as Nigel Willems-Gas will adjust in this team, they will be even better. Uh, we can remember that Eddie Tavares is not finding his uh, uh, place in the team right now, as, as of right now, because he still need to adjust to the new playmakers like Gas or Teller. He's coming from the, of the Afro Afro basket. basket yeah. yeah, so yeah. they already look promising. And with all these pieces, you know, growing... Uh, yeah. consistently during and the season they will be a great team number four seed is good it's oh, home court advantage in the playoffs and we know that uh, Pablo Lasso never emphasized winning the regular season actually when Real Madrid last won the EuroLeague they finished fifth mm -hmm. they didn't have home court advantage it was a terrible advantage. season with all these injuries and stuff it looked like yeah. but then they, 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 they were playing against Pau uh, away Sergio Yul came back from his uh cruciate ligament injury and they won the series and they won the final four they became the champion so it, it's not so important to be fourth third or whatever the home court advantage is what matters and fourth place is enough and I think now they have a deeper roster they solved all the issues from the last season they made good signings they made very good summer moves very smart I would say they are making money from them they're actually the club that has income from selling players mm -hmm which is amazing, which is great. And it's an example for everyone to follow. And I don't see any player, you know, going to the NBA during the season. No, uh, not this and, time, not this time. Which is an improvement already. And with all that crazy situation with Campazzo leaving the team with Deck, with all these injuries, they were like only one win away from being the uh, fourth seed. You could see one shot season. away. Because if Kruno Simon doesn't make that crazy three-pointer, 
Oh, you're talking about the final four, yeah, but yeah. even in the regular season, okay. they were only one win away from making the top four. So, so I think they will be good and they will be... They might be even they, better they, than the fourth seed, actually. They will be consistent for sure. And I believe that we have the same team for the for the third seed. Spot. But actually, when I every time I say that I think that we have the same team... It, we have it's never team. the same. Yeah. It's never the same. <laughs> but I have FS. No. Okay. No, man. <laughs> <laughs> what? Who do you have? Barcelona. Ah, oh, okay. I think Barca, uh, they were the winners of the regular season last year, uh, but you cannot say they dominated and they seemed unbeatable. Actually, CSK dominated for the first part of the season, then Milutinov's injury happened, then mm -hmm. Mike James' suspension happened, and CSK lost the plot and Barcelona took over. Uh, I put them in the third place. Uh, I saw all of the games they played so far, and you know they did not make any superstar signings they couldn't afford any players like that they just signed like laprovitola yokobaitis hayes uh, some role players some players that charas knows that could fit the system i like how nigel hayes actually started in his new team but they lost now abrinas uh, with a serious injury and they could be a little bit short-handed in the third position for example because what they did they replaced hanga and Claver with Hayes. And now that Abrinas is injured, you need to give minutes to like Sergi Martinez. I've heard that they might go on the market. They might go? Uh, to find the replacement for uh, for Abrinas. So that would be a... Where big. where does this club take money from? I mean, like... All these football clubs has money from somewhere. Barcelona has money in their depth, if you talk about their football uh -huh. club. Their football is now in a mess. I never remember a time when Barcelona's basketball situation would look a lot better than football. Mm -hmm. I don't know where they have the money from, but uh, of course, basketball players are not as expensive. <laughs> but okay, but you mentioned that they didn't upgrade the roster with any, you know, stars uh, whatsoever. Maybe they didn't need to. I don't know. That's, that's the thing because you have Nick Kalaitis, uh, you have Nikola Mirotic, you have uh, Corey Higgins. I mean, I'm kind of good with all these, let's say, superstars of the EuroLeague. And what's good for Shadas that he brought two players he had in Jargiris, like Nigel Hayes and Rokas Jokobaitis. They don't, you know, require a lot of time uh, to adjust to this team. The only question is about uh, Sertac uh, Shenli. And La Provitola, let's, let's guess that as he's... As a backup. Yeah, as a backup, he's just a better fit and he Shadas knows him very well. So, I mean, all these... We we saw only small pieces, uh, you know, which Shadas was adding uh, to Barcelona this summer, and I just trust the continuity uh, of of Shadas teams. Yeah, we, but you know, third place is not something to be ashamed no, of. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm just talking. I, about I mean, I'm putting them in third. Yeah, bigger picture goals. Yeah, I'm putting them in third, not with the intention of saying that Barca is going to have a bad yeah. season. No, no, no. They could win the Euroleague from the third seed. Is it's not a problem. I just have some like thoughts that maybe these uh, quality talent talented players their quality is unquestionable. In time, I'd get tired of Shara's strictness and the system that they're playing. Now you hear Adam Hanga joining Real Madrid and saying that with Shara's you had to do your specific tasks on the court. Now with Pablo Lasso, you can use your talent a little bit more. Mm. And, and he's right. He's right, yeah. That, that it, it is what but it that's is. That's the reason why he left the team. That's the reason why Charles didn't need him because maybe he didn't make the adjustment. Yeah. And that's well, okay. But, but to me, for example, Mirotic, sometimes he looks unhappy. 
maybe I'm crazy and I'm seeing stuff, but his body language, for example, in the Supercopa, he looks like he doesn't really want to be here. It could be not because of Charles, it could be because of the Barca uh, club uh, asking him to oh. reduce his wages. And But he, sometimes he looks disinterested. And when you're most expensive player, your key player, probably the biggest star of the league is not happy. Can you be a happy team in general? I, I just think that they might get tired of Charles in their third or fourth season. Uh, in Barca, I just think that it's too early uh, for them. You know, they still have to. They still have unfinished business. Uh, they yeah. have to win the Euro League, right? So, of course, they could do that. When you go to the final four, maybe that's what you need. You need. Uh, you need strategy. You need a game plan. Regular season. I think when you have so much talent, you can just cruise past the regular season like Pablo Lasso does. I'm more of a fan uh, of this philosophy. Yeah, probably, and. So you had Barcelona their third seed. I have Anadolu Efes as my third seed. Although for me it's the best team in the Euroleague uh, at the moment. But if we're talking about cruising uh, past, you know, during the Euroleague regular season, I mean Efes was 11th seed uh, in the half on the halfway of the regular season. And they were chilled. <laughs> they were so chilled. Okay, maybe there was some let's say moment where Ataman had to you know to raise his voice. In his, uh, funny, but he always raises his voice. Funny English. Mitic, <laughs> okay? <laughs> we will need to put this on social media. <laughs> and, uh, you know, tag Ataman to, to save. That was a good um, impersonation of Ataman. <laughs> I hope so. I do good of Jose Mourinho as well. But <laughs> for, for, uh, keep for, it for, for your football time. podcasts. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what I want to say that, you know, Shane Larkin again has some injury problems. Uh... They are very relaxed in the preseason. Oh, some guys like Kruno Simon, uh, Tibor Plyas also had, you know, some health issues or at least to recover from, from all these issues to be 100% uh, for the regular season, not to take any risks. And they will, you know, they will be relaxed. They don't care about, you know, the regular season, let's say, champions title or whatsoever. So... Again, it's yeah. not that bad to be the first no, seed in the not. regular season. As long as you have the home court advantage for the playoffs, it's okay. And you cannot choose an opponent. In EuroLeague, Barca last year felt that uh, the uh, number eight seed can be just as dangerous as anybody else when they had to play Zenit. So I, I put Anadolu in the second place. And there's not much to say, actually. We talked about this team. We know how good they are. We, we see the same roster. And they're defending the title. And just the only question was about Filip Petrushev, probably. And now he's the best scorer of uh, FS in the preseason. Yeah. So you so don't have any he, he's more He's the questions. replacement for, for Shanley, yeah. right? And the only question for the summer was whether Vasa stays or he mm. goes to the NBA. As soon as we heard the news that he's staying, everything was clear. Because if Vasa would have left, then, they, then Ataman would, need it, would have needed to make some phone calls to find a new point guard. Uh, but they have the same dynamic duo or you could say even a trio with Kronoslav Simon on top but it's Larkin and, and Vasa we might raise the question if they will be hungry enough because you know the title was the thing which was motivating them um, they were top team in the regular season yeah. and COVID uh, season 
uh maybe they will need ago. a kick in the ass at some point i mean like they they look That's happy they, they yeah, look relaxed they maybe they will lose like two or three games in a row and, and they will gather together saying like guys okay we're we're the champions everyone's treating us as the champions but we're not playing as the champions we need to get serious and that that could be enough because i don't believe that a team like this could fall down mm. in the standings no way it's impossible unless some injuries will happen but yeah. you cannot predict all that stuff so we have tsk armeitsu moscow number one you have yeah armenski i think they, they, one and it's they should have been number one seed last season as well but as i said Militinov's injury mike james suspension and everything changed but they are stacked they might still actually add a new point guard as i understand they're still on the market yeah. they were hunting kevin pangos uh, it didn't happen so they, they have were to hunting look somewhere for else. also yeah I and mean, listen, despite Milutinov's injury, despite all the things what happened uh, with and around Mike James, despite Toko Shengilia uh, having a tough transition year in Moscow, despite win the season, they were 24-10 team, the second best in the EuroLeague, actually tied Barcelona also. They reached the final four. They were one they were one bucket away. shot away yeah. from from making the finals. And now they have Grigonis as the replacement for Hillard. They have Shved, who, as far as uh, what I'm hearing about him, that he accepted the role. Uh, he has nothing wrong, wrong with being one of the guys, the role player. It seems like he's putting effort and team noticed that he's really motivated, at yeah. least right now. We'll see what will happen when they uh, face some some problems. But I like everything about that team. They were already good last year. And as we mentioned, some big problems happened. And they still managed, you know, to to keep the line. And Milutinov bouncing back from the injury. I am looking forward to his season. And I think he could be in the race for the MVP, actually. If CSK dominates the regular season, Milutinov knowing... The numbers that he puts in consistently, the double-doubles, uh, he's dominant um, on the offensive rebounds. This big Serbian could be the MVP of the, se of the season. It's been long ago since we had a center being named the EuroLeague's MVP. We had Mitzic, we had an unofficial MVP. Larkin, we had Yul, we had Doncic, we had Spanulis. I don't remember when the last time a big guy was the MVP. So, having that in mind as well, I'm predicting that Tornike Shingelia will have a much better second season. Knowing his role in this team, I think they will be very, very solid winning the regular season. Tricky part about Shingelia is that in six games of the preseason, he averaged, he not only averaged 5.7 points per game, but the thing which makes me concerned is his you know field goal percentage which was only 29 and i if i remember well he was working with his shooting mechanics this uh this off season and it, i'm not sure if it helped watching all these numbers let's, so let's give him some time fifth free throw percentage was 57 damn i mean those are bad numbers i agree but, but this is, again uh, that's a, a big room for improvement for th for this team because if shengelia will, will gonna be efficient uh, he will shoot in a much better percentage 
this team will have no flaws, let's say. Daniel Hackett didn't even play in the preseason. In every position, they look great. They have Will Clyburn, the best small forward in the EuroLeague. They have Dimitri Sitoudis. Now they probably will not have any locker room issues. It should be a good team in terms of chemistry. And uh, I even think that they might be... Uh, we, we were talking about that uh, even though we are making all these predictions for only for season, the regular season, we will actually, get the champion as yeah, well. Yeah, right? I actually think that CSK will win the EuroLeague. Well, I'm waiting to see the new point guard. Who can they bring in? Um, but uh, knowing that Final Four is one game, and knowing that in, in the Final Four format, uh, the favorite rarely wins it all, I would have a guess for Real Madrid. If we rank these four teams, CSK and Adolfo, just diehard Real Madrid fan. I'm not. <laughs> I'm most definitely yeah, not. Uh, the MVP of the final four. <laughs> not sure about the MVP of the final four, but um, I, I would say I like Pablo Lasso and what he has been doing for ten years so consistently. And when when it comes to final four experience, uh, the ability to handle pressure, these are the game changers. And Real Madrid has all this and. You would rank these teams like if, if they play series, best of five. CSK could be number one and Adolo could be number two, Barca number three. In every scenario, Real would be number four. But in a final four, anything can happen. So I would just, it's just a guess that if, if these four teams will be in the final four, I would pick Real Madrid to win it. The main difference comparing all these three teams with Real Madrid is that Real did probably the most changes during the summer. They have uh, yeah, crucial yeah. changes in crucial positions. And that's why... But the again, Final Four is Final so, four, so yeah. far away. And, and you know, these newcomers, they are not kids. These are experienced pro professional EuroLeague players. When, when it comes to spring, they will be already gelled in this team and, and you, you will see Thomas Ertel or Nigel Williams-Goss playing confidently. I think so. So it's just a prediction for the future, something to be, uh, to make it more interesting. Let's say if, if we both agree that, oh yes, CSK is the best team. Yeah, they're gonna mm -hmm. be the champion. So it's not a very good content. <laughs> okay, to sum up this podcast, uh, my my prediction would look like this: uh, CSK, then Barcelona, FS, Real, Milan, Zenit, Fener, Olympiacos in the playoffs, Bayern, Maccabi. Pasconia, Monaco, Unix, uh, Jargiris, Panathinaikos, Zvezda, Asvel, and Alba. Yeah, for me, also CSK, the number one in the regular season, then Anadolu, Barca, Real, Fenerbahce, Armani, Maccabi, Olympiakos, number nine, not making the playoffs, Zenit, then Basconia, Bayern, Monaco, Unix, Zvezda, Panathinaikos, Jargiris, Alba, and Asvel. That's a really good haircut, Ritis. Thanks. <laughs> That's all, folks. Ritis Vishnowska, Zanatos Urbanas. Thanks for watching. And follow us on basketnews.com.